coming up. They can come up with an eye color and, and a hair color and, and physical features and, and hope that that is enough to identify the woman who is only known now as, as Bone 17. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Throughout the 1980s and 90s, a man known as the Green River Killer took the lives of dozens of teenage girls and women in the state of Washington. Would you please state your true name? Gary Leon Do you understand in this uh, In 2001, that man was finally identified as Gary Ridgeway and arrested. We're going to recommend that this sentence is imposed consecutively to the 48 other life sentences that you're presently serving. Do you understand that? Yes. Now, 20 years later, investigators are still following up on Ridgway's crimes. Ridgway confessed to 49 murders over the course of several years back in 2003 and has been rotting away in a cell ever since. But detectives have still been trying to place names with a couple of his unidentified victims, including a young woman whose remains were found in Southeast King County in January of 1986. Chris Daniels, chief reporter with King 5 in Seattle, Washington, you recently reported an update related to one of Ridgeway's victims, a woman known only to investigators as Bone 17. Tell me about this woman whose identity is still unknown. Yeah, I mean, uh, Reed, thanks for having me on. This is an element of the case that the sheriff's department has said that they've never stopped investigating, even all these years after uh, the Green River Killer, also known as Gary Leon Ridgeway, um, killed uh, more people than than any other uh, in in United States history. Um, the the most murders, uh, forty eight in in all that he pled guilty to back in '03, and and again to another one in in two thousand eleven. And, and this is one of those cases that he that he pled guilty to uh, an an unknown. A woman that was found, uh, her her body was found January 2nd of 1986 in Southeast King County. And uh, the, the testing uh, that had been done on the remains, there, were, there was no identification. Uh, this was in a rural uh, part of Southeast King County where she was found. Um, that the, the testing they could do at the time, uh, really the forensic analysis only allowed them to uh, pinpoint that that perhaps this woman came from the East Coast of the United States or Canada. Uh, but as as time has gone on with testing, uh, a company that the, the King County Sheriff's Department worked with did some DNA phenotyping uh, that could predict the characteristics uh, of this woman, uh, meaning uh, the the DNA related to hair color, eye color, uh, that would allow them to generate images of of this uh, young woman uh, that uh, was killed by by Gary Ridgway. And uh, just recently, uh, the King County Sheriff's Office published uh, what they believe to be an image of of this woman uh, that has never been named uh, that includes uh, you know her blonde hair, long blonde hair. Uh, this is the person that they believe uh, was not from the area. Uh, so even in putting this image out, it's interesting that the sheriff's department said it will likely take a tip 
from outside uh, Western Washington, Washington State, in order to figure out who this person is uh, that that was killed by Gary Ridgway uh, more than three decades ago. Let's talk a little bit more about this window of time when Ridgway was on the loose. He's now behind bars, and in total, as you mentioned, he's pleaded guilty to 49 total murders. Uh, it's believed there were other victims, and there are even court documents to the effect of Ridgway saying that he just lost count of his victims. But these killings happened during a long window of time, throughout the 1980s and 90s. What do we know about how he was able to evade arrest for such a long time until 2001? Yeah, I mean, without without dating myself, I'm old enough to remember uh, growing up in this area uh, as the Green River Killer uh, was on the loose. Um, it was a unsolved mystery uh, as as bodies of women uh, started to turn up, the first one was in the Green River, hence uh, how uh, the killer was dubbed the Green River Killer. Um, started in the uh, early 80s, lasted until uh, the late 90s. Uh, and uh, this person at the time was was able to um, uh, kill uh, and, and not be caught. Uh, multiple women that... Uh, uh, largely were runaways or um, working on what is known in this area as the SeaTac Strip. At that time, in, in 2003, you made a statement about your plan, which you repeat here at the bottom of page five. Do you see that? Yes. And that statement reads as follows. I picked prostitutes as my victim because I hate most prostitutes, and I did not want to pay them for sex. Is that true? Yes. It says, I also picked prostitutes as victims because they were easy to pick up without being noticed. Is that true? Yes. It says, I knew they would not be reported missing right away and might never be reported missing. Is that true? Yes. It says, mostly I picked prostitutes because I knew I could kill lots of them without getting caught. Is that your statement? Yes. Uh, Gary Ridgway lived in nearby SeaTac. Uh, he was a truck painter uh, and uh, was known to frequent that area. In fact, uh, wow. even as a task force was created and developed uh, back in that time, because there was a tremendous amount of public fear about what is happening uh, th that he was questioned. There was a search warrant uh, that was executed dating back in 1987. He took a polygraph in 1984, and the sheriff's department uh, could never quite pin this on him, even though uh, people at uh, Ridgeway's employer uh, always joked that he was Green River Gary. I mean, hmm. the, there were uh, his colleagues that uh, thought that he was strange and... Uh, uh, was known to to drive through that area where so many uh, women disappeared. Uh, and, and it took DNA uh, testing to evolve, um, and some of the samples that were saved uh, from those years, from the 80s and 90s, uh, before uh, there was an announcement. And I can remember the day uh, in 2001 when uh, the sheriff's department said to all the, the local media in Seattle, you need to get down here, we have a major announcement. And it was that they had arrested Gary Leon Ridgway uh, with, uh, as the Green River Killer. And that they finally had evidence connecting him to one of the cases or, or more uh, of the cases. And in 2003, 
he accepted uh, a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. And, uh, you know, the, the, as you mentioned, 48 murders at the time, uh, that uh, more murders uh, than, than any other person in, in U.S. history. Uh, and he accepted that plea deal in 2003 and, and led investigators down this track, right? That um, he, he knew the names of some of the victims. He had boasted uh, that he had killed even more women than he, uh, he agreed uh, to the plea on. Um, and, and this was one of those victims that he did not remember the name of. Um, he also helped direct... Uh, police to some of the burial sites. Your statement continues, I placed the bodies of most of them close to each other in what I call clusters. I did this because I wanted to keep track of all the women I killed. Is that true? Yes. And the last sentence reads, I like to drive by the clusters around the county and think about the women I placed there. Is that true? Yes, and, and there there are people uh, that believe, uh, and investigators who believe that, you know, he he loved the attention from all of this, um, and and being able to uh, take officers around and 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 tell them all the gory details. But he is he is serving consecutive uh, life sentences. He will never see uh, the light of day again but he did avoid the death penalty for all his crimes. One of the challenges with identifying all of the victims here is, in some cases, how much time passed before their bodies were discovered, and in some cases, all that investigators had to work with were skeletal remains Earlier this year, though, investigators were finally able to identify another previously unknown victim, a 14-year-old girl that we now know to be Wendy Stevens. For 30 years, remains of a missing SeaTac girl belonged to a teen simply known as Jane Doe. Today, we know that girl was 14-year-old Wendy Stevens. How was Wendy ultimately identified? Well, it, it, again, it's interesting just that it, it has taken this long and that people are still trying to find justice for the family and closure for the family. Uh, Wendy was known for years as Bones 10. Uh, her skeletal remains uh, were found back in 1984. And it, it was, again, a DNA extraction from, from bone fragments that a, a group called the, the DNA Doe Project uh, conducted to get a genetic profile uh, of of who this person may be. Uh, she was just 14 years old when she ran away from uh, her Denver home. Um, and uh, based on this DNA profile uh, that was used in conjunction, uh, the, the genetic sequence was used, uh, uploaded to genealogy sites, uh, that's how a lot of these cases now, it seems like, are getting solved. It's a technology that's been used to solve cold cases across the country in recent years. This group of volunteers uploaded data to those public DNA websites. And because of their work, well, we're shining light on the M.O. of one of the country's most notorious serial killers. And uh, finding relatives and who, who may tie back to this, this DNA profile. And that's ultimately... 
uh, how it came back to a, a family in Denver uh, who, uh, you know, their daughter ran away, Wendy Stevens, uh, way back when. And uh, putting it all together, Bones 10 uh, was identified as Wendy Stevens, uh, Gary Ridgway's youngest victim at, at, at 14 years old. And this all brings us back then to Bones 17, this still unidentified victim. Is there anything else that we know about this woman? Any other details that might someday help someone to identify her? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I do think it's fascinating that uh, just based on uh, the forensic evidence, based on uh, DNA, that that you can suggest that somebody is not from the area, that you can trace back their genealogy uh, to uh, that, uh, the northeastern part of the country or in, in Canada. I mean, that is what they know at this point, a, a, a young blonde woman uh, who is not from the area. They've already ruled that out. Forensic evidence suggests she was in her mid to late teens when Ridgway killed her, and she may have been from out of state. That is an interesting element of this uh, when we start tracing back where, where people come from and, and, and their DNA makeup uh, is that, that can, it can be narrowed down to that. I think that's you know part of the fascinating science here. Uh, with with this case and and what what the sheriff's department was was trying to explain that you know they can they can come up with an eye color and, and a hair color and and physical features and and hope that that is enough to identify the woman who is only known now as as bone seventeen creating the structure of what we think this child's face could be and that's using a three d modeling software based on a CT scan of the skeletal remains. That 3D modeling software allows us to put digital clay on top of the skull uh, in order to create a facial approximation as to what we think she could have looked like. Uh, the goal of that is to obviously get the face out to as many people in the public uh, through whatever means we can. And it sounds like with how much time has passed, there is some real urgency here that, that even though decades have gone by, authorities do want to identify her while there's still family or other people who knew this person out there that that presumably have no idea what happened to her, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I think part of this too is Gary Ridgway fooled people for for so long and was able to continue committing his crimes and uh, continue to 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 be out uh, living his life and and working as a truck painter uh, in SeaTac. And, you know, the, the, there are long term, long time investigators, many of them who have retired, but, you know, that worked on this task force that wanted to solve this case and, and spent years trying to solve the case and, and couldn't. And I, I think there's added emphasis here for the King County Sheriff's Department to try and cross all the T's and dot all the I's and, and complete the investigations into every single case to finally have closure for families who may have may have gone on now decades without having an answer. As you mentioned, Chris, you were a reporter with King 5 when Ridgeway was arrested in 2001. There's still developments 20 years later in this case. What has it been like to cover this whole saga? What stands out to you looking back on all of the different twists and turns? Well, I... I I, I honestly, as, as someone who grew up in this area um, and, and watching how time had gone on, never thought that the Green River Killer would be arrested. I mean, it was 
it was a a punchline uh, when people would make fun of the police department that, uh, oh, well, maybe they should go out and, and find the Green River Killer instead of wasting time on some other crime. Hmm. Uh, the, I, I remember that day uh, vividly when uh, when we we got the call saying, get down to the sheriff's department. And you know, the, the, the person who made the announcement, uh, is, is Dave Reichert, who was, uh, the King County Sheriff. He, uh, worked on this case, was one of the first officers. There was kind of this poetic justice to it all that uh, he had worked on the case for so many years. And he was the one who uh, was able to announce this, this major arrest and, and it propelled him uh he he later served mul- multiple terms in congress uh and and it was based on this kind of lengthy chase for the green river killer and, and finding justice and, and so he he continues to have a high standing in the community because of his time in congress and his time uh working on this case i i, I don't think anybody really has a read on on ridgeway and, and why uh he he committed these crimes and 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 he has given interviews in the past, and he's talked to, to law enforcement in the past. But I think there are a lot of people who who think that uh, uh, what he has to say is is BS. Um, uh, that he's never given a, a straight answer on all of this, and and it's 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 unfathomable to to think uh, about the the lives lost uh, at the hands of of Gary Ridgway. Chris Daniels, chief reporter with King Five in Seattle. Hopefully the next time we have you on, it's because this unidentified victim has been identified. Thanks for sharing the story. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks to you for tuning in to another episode of The Daily Crime. We're right here with a new episode every day, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following the show wherever you're listening right now. If you have a second and you want to help us out, tell a friend about the show or drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for more true crime, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows, including our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.